I'm Carly. And I'm Tab. And welcome back to Historically Bad. Welcome back to Historically Bad. Yay, yay. So, we have some shout outs. Yes, some because, shout outs. Because we have 35 star reviews, which is huge. 35 star <laughs> reviews on Spotify. It is. It's huge. Which is a big fucking deal. It's a big deal. So give us more and share it to all your friends. Yeah. So create a bunch of accounts. Yeah. Give us a bunch of five-star reviews. <laughs> yeah. Make we fake Spotify accounts. We love it. We um, for it. And also, we did some shout-outs last week about all the places that Locations. all our listeners are coming from. Yeah. And then received some feedback of people who felt left out. <laughs> so we now have a listener in South Korea. That's so cool. Which is fucking wild. Wild. Um, Mexico, which is awesome. Very awesome. Um, and then within the United States, we also have Illinois, which Illinois. is our friend in Chicago. Shout out, Joey. Sorry Joey. we ignored you last week. Um, Oklahoma, who I actually don't know wow. who's listening to us in Oklahoma. Nor do I. That's fucking cool. Hi, Oklahoma. Hi, please Oklahoma. stay and listen and tell your friends. <laughs> um, make accounts and give us five-star reviews, please. Yes, and <laughs> Massachusetts, which that is the Ironic. first time I've said that right, I think. And which we're learning. I was telling my supervisor right. about it, and... And he was like, Carly, it's just how it reads. Like, read it out loud. And I was like, Massachusetts? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, Congrats. oh, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um, Sound it out. And then we have uh, Florida, California, Arkansas, which we're familiar with. We're familiar with. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Yeah, so, so nobody's ignored anymore. Fans. Oh, California. Did I say that? California. You didn't, but that's okay. You did now. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. That's it. That's exciting. Thank you so much Thank for listening. Thank you so much. And yeah, keep sharing. Yeah. Keep interacting. Every Interact. all engagement. We really yeah, appreciate. Yeah. On Spotify, we have these polls up every episode. Yes. Definitely answer those polls. It's funny <laughs> and fun. And then also, um, there's questions that we post on there. And you can give feedback for the episode as well. And then we publish it on Spotify so you can get famous with us. That's true. Yeah, if you want royalties, keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so interestingly that you bring that up, we have to address something that I put a poll out, actually. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> I forgot about this. Turns out, despite the fact that I like to consider myself the resident NASA bitch. NASA what, bitch. If you Carly saw him, it's mentioned. so funny because you posted a photo of you wearing the NASA shirt. And you know what? This whole time that I've owned that, which has got to be a decade. Yeah. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So thank you to one of our listeners yeah that nasa does not actually stand for north american space agency not even a little not bit not even a little bit although if i may when you do type in north american space agency not only does google not correct it it actually sends you to the nasa website yes so apparently this because is a no common... one gives a shit what nasa stands for no one gives it they just know that the acronym is badass yeah yeah exactly we know nasa and means space so we actually did put a poll out to see how many people knew what the acronym for NASA was. Yeah. And the same amount of people that got it right, which by the way, it stands for National Aeronautics and Space Administration. So not at all North American Space Agency. Who, who needs to know that? Who fact? needs to know that? No. Apparently most people, the same amount of people that thought that and got it correct, which congrats to you, also thought it was North American Space Agency. So yeah. I stand validated. And in a decent amount put the not a yes what is what was that so one? one thing that I saw online that I thought was really funny because there's a whole forum about how wrong this has always been and right. how many people just do not know what it actually stands for. Yeah, it's for. a common misconception. Common misconception, yeah. Someone said it should just stand for never a straight answer, yeah. which I thought was funny because apparently no one knows what it stands so for. See, so see, everyone that put that didn't know either. So. Didn't know either. Yeah, it's true. So here we are correcting ourselves as and good researchers do. And justifying the fact that we didn't know. And justifying <laughs> and yeah, justifying the fact that we didn't know. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So today's episode is so fucked up. Um, I truly cannot believe I didn't know about this before, to be honest. And my life is forever changed knowing oh, this. So, so buckle in. So buckle in, buckle up. Here we go. So in today's episode, we're going to cover a story of the microbiologist and doctor Shiro Ishii, whose legacy is both that of genius and madman. And we're going to explore what made him become one of the most evil men and scientists in history. So, which is a little synopsis on Shiro Ishii before we get into it. Uh, Surgeon General Shiro Ishii was born on June 25th, 1892 and died October 9th, 1959. He was a Japanese war criminal, microbiologist, and army medical officer who was director of Unit 731, a biological warfare unit in Manchuria. Oh, shit. It is otherwise known today, however, as the deadliest research facility of the 20th century. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so we're going to get into This is also it. like history, history. Like history. anything that starts with the 1800, that's Anything that shit. starts with the 1800, we're going way back in time. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go through like World War II times. I'm stressed. Stuff. I'm stressed too. Okay. But it's going to be good. We're together. It's going to be good and interesting. And 
fucked up and historically bad. So our case sources for today are trumanlibrary.gov, Biographics Documentary, The Mad Scientist Who Created Plague Bombs in World War II, East Tennessee State University Digital Commons, A Thesis on General Shiro Ishii. Someone did a thesis on this. Oh, good for them. Which was in the same format as my thesis, which I was like, I feel validated. You are. I am, yeah. Um, Medium.com, NewYorkTimes.com, ListVerse.com, quote, top 10 evil scientists, and that's it. So we will post those on our website. Yep. Yeah, nice. Yes. So one of the things before we get into it, I just wanted to disclose um, my Japanese pronunciation <laughs> is subpar at best. So please bear with me during this episode. I'll do my best. I have looked up how to pronounce things. However, if I fail, feel free to have a go at me because I'm going to I'm going to fail for sure. Okay, and I'm definitely gonna fail if I have to say the words after you. Say. <laughs> so we'll fail together. Failing yeah. forward. Um, okay, so we'll just start with his early years. So Ishii led a particularly charmed life um, as a young child. He was born in a town called Shibayama in the Chiba Prefecture of Japan, which is otherwise a district. Um, and it's located in the Kanto region of Honshu. So that's probably most Japanese I'm going to say today. Okay. <laughs> so we got through yeah, it. That was great. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I'm sure there was someone else that's like, those are all pronounced <laughs> incorrectly. Um, he was born to a wealthy landowner and sake maker named Katsuya Ishii. And there wasn't actually a ton of information on his parents. And his mother's name's actually just been forgotten through history. That's so fucking annoying. <laughs> I saw it in your face that you were like <laughs> immediately devastated. <laughs> However, we do know that the Ishii family was the community's largest landholders. So hard to say. And Shiro was born to a long line of what was called daimyo. So daimyo are lords that exercise feudal dominance, it's called. So this is dominating the social system over like the local village and surrounding hamlet. So they otherwise had like a lot of influence and power. Okay. Okay. So we do know that. It's not a whole lot more that we know about his family in his early years. One thing I do want to know, during this time, Japan was under what's called imperial rule or the imperial system. So this is what lasted between 1868 to 1947. Um, and Japan was known as the Empire of Japan at this time. So it's a lot different than what currently is the current government in okay. Japan, of course. And so an empire is fully formally defined as being a political unit made up of several territories and peoples. And it's usually created by conquest and divided between a dominant center and subordinate peripheries. And the center of the empire exercises political control over the peripheries. Okay, so that's the formal definition. Okay. It's more narrowly defined as just a sovereign state whose head of state is the emperor or empress. Okay, okay. roger that. With okay. subsections of territories subsections. and peripheral... Yes, you got it. And Shiro Ishii's family being kind of ruling over some of those subsections. Okay. So quite a powerful family. Okay. Um, and so during this time, actually, it was not uncommon for wealthy landowners to have multiple slaves and live extremely lavish lifestyles, which, of course, the Ishii family had. And meanwhile, civilians worshipped the emperor as godlike. They also believed that someone living in a lower class family was truly not as valuable as those that were highborn. And because of this mindset, Shiro was raised to believe he was truly more valuable than others. And it's almost as if his childhood experience led him to test on human subjects during his research later in his life without any remorse. Thought that they were below him. And Thought tested. that they were below him. Yeah. And was raised to believe that. And it sounds like a lot of people believe that at the time. Okay. Yeah. So in Chiba Prefecture, where Shiro grew up, he attended middle school and high school and was often regarded as the teacher's favorite. Relatable. Yeah, for sure relatable. <laughs> for sure Edge relatable. On. Yeah. Um, having a photographic memory that rendered him able to recite a difficult text from cover to cover in one reading. However, some of his classmates describe him differently regarding him as brash, abrasive, and arrogant. Mm. So, depends on who you ask. Stuff can be two things. Stuff can be two things, exactly. In 1916, at the age of 24, Ishii enrolled at the Faculty of Medicine in Kyoto Imperial University. But he wasn't actually interested in becoming a doctor who healed the common people from diseases and illness. He instead became a surgeon for the Imperial Japanese Army. A little bit sus vibes there. Side eye. So he had no sort of like desire to help people at all. He right. wanted to do this as a means to an end, so to speak. Mm -hmm. He graduated in 1920 and one short year later was given the rank of Army Surgeon First Class or otherwise known as Surgeon Lieutenant. And so according to my sources, which is my husband, who has a <laughs> history degree, this is a relatively entry-level position. Okay. okay. During his studies, Ishii started to reveal that he was a bit of a unique scientist. As mentioned, he was far more fascinated with research and experimentation than healing. And he had a particular love of biology, which is kind of like us. Specifically microbiology, actually. Okay, so kind of like Josh. Kind of like Josh, yeah. <laughs> um, he would often grow extremely deadly bacteria, calling these bacteria his pets, speaking to them and treating them with care. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if Josh has ever spoken to his bacteria no as a babies. pet. Uh, hopefully they weren't like super deadly bacteria when no, he was doing this. No. Um, he did have an odd practice of raising bacteria as companions rather than as research subjects. And this made him notable to the staff at the university. Okay, but I think just like 
for people that are not in microbiology, you need to understand that that means he was like growing lawns of gross looking bacteria on plates. Yes. And then it's not like he they were cute. No, they weren't cute at all. It's he was not just like, like our mice. These, this lawn of disgusting mold has little friends in it. It's true. Yeah. And he it's was treating gross. these like his pets and, and far more valuable than his colleagues, which we'll find out. So oh, like he valued their lives more. Oh, okay. He valued his research subjects more than human life. Okay. Which is a little bit of a theme for him. Yes. Okay. So similar to how he acted and was received as a child, he did not get along well with his classmates as they would become infuriated by what they described as pushy behavior and indifference to his classmates and lacking respect for their work and their role. So it seemed very evidently that he valued his bacteria more than his colleagues or his research more than human interaction and human value. Mm, it's yes. not, not an uncommon trait. Not an uncommon trait. Science. So despite being arrogant and having characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder, Shiro was quite successful. And as we'll see throughout the next several years, he gets several different promotions, with his last and final title being Surgeon General, which is quite high ranking in the military, apparently. He's a surgeon in the military, but really he's abusing his position because he just likes to cut people open. Kind of sounds like that. And that's what we'll get into for sure. Okay. For sure. For sure. But he does get several promotions throughout this. I decided to skip them because there's like four or five of them. But we'll just end with the fact that he becomes Surgeon General, which is actually kind of kind of higher like it's higher up. Yeah. For sure. So he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. So little else is known about his history beyond this, but as we'll see in this episode, there's more than enough to know about his later life where he became known as the doctor and scientist who tested on men, women, and even children in the most barbaric ways imaginable. Mm. This is a great time for a listening advisory Mm. where we will be speaking about particularly explicit things with regards to science and human experimentation. So content warning, content warning, listen with care or skip ahead. Or skip ahead. Which I will actually put in the case notes um, at what point to rejoin us. Good idea. Mm -hmm. So if we fast forward to 1927, at the age of 35, Shiro Ishii began advocating for the creation of what was called a Japanese bioweapons program. This was a program with the intent on creating biological weapons of mass destruction. And just like an evil villain in a movie, he was searching for a plague that was capable of wiping out the human race, or at least the enemies of the Japanese. Oh, I was going to say, wanted yes. to be capable. <laughs> wanted of it to be. Killing a bunch of people. Yes. But not the people he wanted to live. Not the people he wanted to live, which right. we'll find out is very, very obviously directed at one type of, one group of people, which mm. we'll find out. Mm-hmm. nice racist racist yes or what's that what what would it be called if it was like a whole nation of people that you hated because i think came technically still racist still racist yeah i think so cool um obsessed well, with not cool <laughs> not cool at all not but cool at all at least we understand yeah so shirishi was obsessed with creating bioweapons to annihilate the chinese he began a two-year tour of the west where he visited around 30 countries and did an extensive research on the effects of biological and chemical warfare developments and spent a good deal of time in Germany where he could study the poisonous gases that were used in World War One. China's fucking huge. China's huge. It's their biggest country. This is narcissistic as fuck. Narcissistic as fuck. And very common at this time, which I'll actually talk about in a minute. Okay. So around this time, according to Ishii's followers, he was extremely loyal to the Japanese emperor and was described as a vehement nationalist. However, as a person, he was described as having a enthusiastic personality, a daring and carefree attitude, and began known for heavy drinking, womanizing, and embezzling which were just tolerated by his colleagues and friends, apparently. Mm. So, But obviously they were. But obviously, yeah. yeah. So one of the things that's worth mentioning here is around this time, one of the biggest enemies to the Japanese, so I mentioned that he wanted to create uh, bioweapons to annihilate the Chinese, so it's a good way for me to just contextualize that the biggest enemy to the Japanese were the Chinese at this time. Right. And so this is a conflict in Asia that sort of began before World War II and sort of carried into World War II. Um, And it was generally focused on seeking raw materials and fuel to grow industries. Japan wanted to invade Manchuria, which is northeastern China, for natural resources and was actually successful in doing so. Um, And they both China and Japan wanted to expand their borders into Korea and Japan was also successful in doing that. So it's just helpful to contextualize that China and Japan at war with each other and Japan's occupying both northeastern China and as well as Korea. Okay. Okay. At the time they were occupying both those places. At the time they were occupying both those places. Yeah. And the Imperial Japanese Army was extremely confident that they could expand this empire to include the entire rest of China, actually. So they were just they were just invading Manchuria at the time, but they wanted all of China, which is a massive amount of land. That's ambitious as fuck. Ambitious as fuck. Shiro Ishii saw this area known as Manchuria as the perfect opportunity to expand his theoretical ideas of biological weapons and make them into a devastating reality. Okay. So they occupy Manchuria. And they're going to do some shit down there. Yep. Yep. 
So Ishii had such intense power at the time, he was ranking so high in the military and the government that he was coded as, a, as personally asking the emperor for funding to create a laboratory in Manchuria. After the permission was granted, he created a massive compound called Unit 731. Okay. This was actually officially called the Epidemic Prevention and Water Supply Unit. Just bullshit. So that and was obvi- that was intentionally a fake name. Intentionally a fake name because its true purpose of studying and testing biological weapons was to remain a secret. Mm-hmm. The facility itself was built in 1935 as a replacement for the Zongma Fortress, which was a prison and experimentation camp prior to becoming Unit 731. It was similar to a Nazi concentration camp where it was an entire campus of buildings, which included holding cells, medical facilities, and a gigantic, quote unquote, crematorium. Mm-hmm. Little interesting fact, the administration part of the campus where Ishii worked and had his laboratory was built so strong, it was the last building standing after being bombed years later. Shit. So it's like, it's a compound. Like, this is for real. Shortly after the unit was built, on August 1st, 1936, Shiro's life and the lives of hundreds of thousands of Chinese civilians changed. When Ishii would be given formal control over Unit 731 and its research facilities used to test on human subjects. So, of course, you can't have a human research facility without subjects. So, one of the reasons Unit 731 was built in Manchuria was because the occupation not only gave the Japanese an advantage of separating the research station from their island of Japan, but it also gave them access to as many Chinese individuals to use as test subjects as they liked. So, they wanted to keep it away in case a biological weapon got out and didn't. they didn't want to infect their own. Exactly. That, and, and I also they think, also like... they also had easy targets. Easy targets, and I also just kind of think word of mouth, like, people would get wind of what was going on at US-731 oh, so they like sort they of put it in this it hidden hidden remote area okay. of manchuria or a part in manchuria that was was quite remote yeah so unit 731 began its embarkation of lethal human experimentation a special project code named maruta not sure if i'm pronouncing that right so sorry if i'm not um used human beings for experiments and unlike today where clinical research undergoes rigorous ethical testing and requires fair subject selection favorable risk benefit ratio and respect for subjects embodying substantive ethical values what the imperial japanese army did instead was begin to invade chinese communities arrest civilians put them on trains that would arrive at unit 731 and these individuals were never allowed to see their families again and most never made it out of the facility alive oh shit yes very but sad this, so this was not I know we said that like nowadays there are a lot of more ethical things, but at the time this would have been illegal too. Oh, it's very much illegal. Yes. At the time it was illegal, hence why it was like all hush hush. It was technically supposed to be an epidemic prevention. Right. Which is bullshit. It was just their way to say, it was just their way to get away with it. Yeah. No, definitely illegal. Um, So Japanese Imperial soldiers captured men, women, and children of all ages because they quote, wanted to see how these biological weapons would affect all types of people. And so this is where it gets pretty gory and explicit. So again... Feel free to fast forward if you'd like. According to the military doctors who worked in seven, Unit 731, which they say was against their will, but if they spoke out about the experiments going on here, they would have been executed for treason. They began injecting the human patients with deadly diseases like anthrax and the bubonic plague. For those forced to work at Unit 731, they recall having to believe that the experiments going on there were all just a part of war and killing civilians wasn't dissimilar to bombing an enemy country. In fact, they actually at one point believed that their acts were far more noble than the average soldier because they, quote, killed in the name of science. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's dark. It gets even darker. We're going like midnight dark. Okay. Some of the experiments that occurred alongside injecting infectious diseases into human beings and watching the effect they had on them were the following. The number one being vivisection. This is a surgery done on living subjects for the purposes of science. This often was performed without anesthesia and was usually lethal. Vivisections were sometimes done on pregnant women, removing fetuses, while women were still alive. Researchers performed invasive surgeries on prisoners, removing organs to study the effects of diseases on the human body once infected with the disease. Prisoners had limbs amputated in order to study blood loss. Limbs were removed sometimes and reattached to the opposite side of a victim's body in order to study what would happen. And some prisoners actually had their stomachs surgically removed and their esophagus reattached to their intestines. Parts of organs, such as the brain, lungs, and liver, were removed from others and studied. All while these individuals were alive, and this was not done under any sort of painkillers, analgesics, or anesthetics at all. Okay, that is not even good science. Like, what is the precedent for any of those? Like, like, (laughs) what is the precedent? Precedence? Yes. 
Like, what is the point of it? I'm not actually sure. And I imagine, like, because he is an evil man, but he was also a genius. Yeah. um, That he had some sort of hypothesis. It's also possible he's just disgusting. Like, giving them diseases to see how the disease affects them? Yes. But there's also still no reason why you can't do that on a model organism. Like, there's no validation. There's no justification for that. But it still makes science sense. Like, you're trying to see what happens with this disease. Yes. But, like... Some of that stuff is just body mutilation. Some of that's just body mutilation. What are you going to learn from that? Oh, we'll find out that it even gets more gross. Okay. And it it does. It does seem like... For what reason? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, some of it just seems like it's torture. And again, keep in mind, Japanese hated the Chinese at the time. And the Chinese hated the Japanese. So it's like, some of this, you could say, was in the name of science. But is that just an umbrella for some sort of evil acts Yeah, it's like people that after a war... on trial for war crimes and they're being like oh no we were under duress oh no we were told it's for science oh no all this but it's all bullshit yeah and on that note something that's really disturbing is apparently practicing vivisection on human subjects was actually widespread even outside of unit 731 at this time so it had been said that an estimate of at least 1,000 japanese personnel were involved in the practice in mainland china and some vivisections performed on captives were quote for the practice rather than research and that such practices were routine among Japanese doctors stationed in China during the war. Vivisection just means the opposite of dissection. They're alive during the section part. Very, very That's what great. That means. Very great question. Practice of performing operations on live animals for the purposes of experimentation or scientific research. So that's great. You know, okay, so that's it's exactly a right. Dissection, but alive. Wow. So not die. wisdom, Carly. Wisdom. Wisdom. That's correct. So the New York Times actually around, actually a little bit later, interviewed a former member of Unit 731 and the member was insistent on an anonymity. Anonymity. <laughs> see, I can say Anonymity. Massachusetts, but you can't and you can say that. So this is where we're a good team. Can you say um, Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh. Massachusetts. I think like I've learned since we've started this endeavor. No, I think you were perfect. Perfect <laughs> start. Um, the former Japanese medical assistant recounted his first experience in vivisecting a live human being who had been deliberately infected with the plague for the purposes of developing plague bombs for the war. So I just want to contextualize this. All of this was for the purposes of biological warfare, apparently. And sometimes the victims were given the vaccine to the disease prior to being exposed and then studied. That way, the Imperial Japanese Army knew exactly what the strongest vaccines were for the deadliest diseases in the world. So once they understood the formula, they would use this information to create antidotes only for the people of Japan. There are ways to study the power of vaccines without fucking killing people. It's so true. Like the COVID vaccine. Like part of me is like, they're dumb. They're dumb, for sure. I think that's, like, the, again, their rationale of, like, this is all yeah, in the name of science. They're doing justifying good things. their evil acts. Evil acts. But it's, like, they are also at war, and this is probably just more evil than anything. This is so. the thing. This is, like, where people that want to do these types of bad things take advantage of war times yes. to propagate their, like, fucking mental Oh, my bad gosh. Shit we're crazy. currently witnessing it totally. Like, we've Seriously, we are. from our mistakes. And then I also Seriously. just think... Shiro Ishii is someone who went and got like a really high ranking title as a surgeon general and someone you could trust and thought he was a genius and all these things. And, and you're told to for evil. And you're told to respect him told too. To respect him. Yeah, for sure. So Unit 731 was making groundbreaking discoveries in modern medicine, but it was at the expense of many, many innocent Chinese civilians. In the holding cells at Unit 731, they were large enough to hold as many as 600 prisoners at one time. These subjects were often euphemistically, euphemist, euphemistically, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. euphemistically. These subjects were often euphemistically referred to as logs, which further dehumanized them, as this term originated as a joke on the part of the staff because one of the official cover stories for the facility given to the local authorities was that it was a lumber mill. The average lifespan of these prisoners was only four to six weeks, and in further oh. parallel, the corpses of sacrificed subjects were disposed by incineration in one of the gigantic crematoriums, similar to putting a log on a fire. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so they were just obviously dehumanizing these people. And again, let's go back to the fact that Shiro Ishii loved his bacteria more than his colleagues, so it's kind of like this is on brand for him. Yeah, but you'd think that once they became his subjects he would like love them too but he just hates humans but just hates humans and particularly chinese chinese humans yeah um you said that it like made advancements in modern did it actually do anything for science yeah so we'll find out later it did you'll tell me that yes um yeah stay tuned okay this leads us into the year experimentation with biological warfare so it wasn't just testing vivisections and all those things they actually again were looking to test biological warfare and they did so with the plague 
Shiro Ishii had his own personal laboratory at Unit 731, where he was experimenting with the bubonic plague, which was formerly known as being one of the most deadly diseases in history. However, he didn't want this to be the same plague that we remember from the past. He found a way to genetically engineer it to be far more potent and lethal than any previous strain of the plague before. Mm. So that's where he was, like, really smart. Really good microbiologist. Why he did this, he wanted to release plague-infected fleas bred in the laboratories of Unit 731 over unsuspecting villages to test how strong this new strain of the plague truly was. How they did this was collect they collected live rats as incubators for tens of thousands of fleas, and once they had an inordinate amount of these bugs, they gathered them, put them into containers, and introduced these into Chinese communities using low-flying airplanes. It's fucking risky as shit. Risky as shit. Yeah. Like, not only is it horrific, but it's also like, that could spread. Oh, and it does. It does. Oh. It's funny you say that. Or it's not funny, but it's interesting you say that, because this worked exactly as they hoped. As between 1939 and 1942, plagues began to spread, and these operation killed, operations killed tens of thousands with the bubonic plague epidemics, and they say one-third of the total population of these villages was wiped out. Ooh, fuck. Yep. These plagues were so potent that once people were infected, they were said to die within one to two days. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he created, like, a superbug that he released- this- you know when like conspiracy theories and people are like oh they're just like implanting they're they're the ones causing it like this is fucking it this actually happens yeah Mm -mm. shiro ishii was not only testing on human subjects his personnel were planting plagues in chinese villages meant to wipe out entire populations and although this tactic worked using blankets and low-level airplanes to infect villages shiro ishii knew that in order to infect entire chinese cities which they eventually wanted to do, they would need to drop actual bombs with these infectious diseases inside of them. The issue he had to overcome was that the fleas carrying those diseases would die in the explosion, so he came up with the idea to design flea bombs out of porcelain shells. When these shells would drop, they would break open, and the fleas would still be alive, able to spread the disease. But Shiro didn't just want to stop with the bubonic plague, so Japanese researchers in Unit 731 experimented with anthrax, cholera, smallpox, botulism, typhoid, and paratyphoid, as well as other deadly diseases. Okay, side. I have two side notes. Okay. First one is, you said blankets is how they were originally- Sorry, blanket, like blanket bombing. Sorry. Oh. I should clarify. I thought that these people needed blankets and they were giving them blankets and it had the flea that killed them. Um, So that keep that in your mind because that's not totally unlike some of the things they did, which okay. I will bring up. But you mean blanket bombs. Blanket bombing. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I should have specified that. Using blanket- bombing and low level airplanes okay cool yes. and then my second Good point my second thing my second thing mm-hmm. was go get vaccinated because <laughs> seriously so many of the things facts you just listed get faxed. yeah facts get faxed. That's because, a t-shirt. is it really no but i mean for us, oh it is now because a lot of the things you just mentioned now have vaccines for it and people yes. think oh well the diseases are like they're they're the diseases won't come back like the diseases yes. are eradicated quote unquote eradicated only because of vaccines but yes yeah. only because of vaccines and also if people fucking make them and put them out in the world then it doesn't matter if it's eradicated or not you're gonna fucking die well and like he was creating super bugs so he was like manipulating mm. the viruses and so like hopefully so maybe you wouldn't have had a chance anyway. Although, or we found out that vaccines lower symptoms and stuff like that. So you might right. still get it, but you, yeah. you'll survive it. But you might not die. Not in one in two days or one to two days like they did. And it de-weaponizes these bioweapons yeah. if people are vaccinated. Yeah. You know what? Go get vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. Just a little side note. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, yep. I'm mad now. Once the Japanese would drop these bombs, the researchers would arrive in protective lab suits that would cover their entire body, inform civilians to come out, and those that had been infected, they would examine them as they were dying, and some would be dissected in the middle of the field while their friends and family watched. Oh, fuck. Yep. To Shiro Ishii, all of this was for the purpose of gathering data. These people were just numbers and subjects part of his elaborate scientific experiments. They were not actually human lives at all to him. Much like... He had been raised to believe. You do not need to do this to humans to learn about how it affects humans. No, but if you are inherently hate human beings, yeah. probably you will do this. It's a method. It's a method. Yeah. One expedition to Nanjing involved spreading typhoid and paratyphoid germs into the wells, marshes, and houses of the city, as well as infusing them into snacks distributed to the locals, mainly children. So remember how you were talking about blankets? They made snacks. Yeah, they were putting them on substances, particularly consumable substances. And probably it's like war-torn areas yeah. they're starving they're starving and the sad thing is the japanese military 
would describe using candy infected with anthrax. They would go into villages, hand out the sweets to children, and while the villagers interpreted this as an act of kindness during war times, it was laced with infectious diseases. After being eaten, scientists from the Unit 731 would arrive and would watch parents begin to panic as their children died in their arms. Holy shit. It's fucking terrible. Oh, I, I can see Josh's face. He's listening while we're recording, and he just had the same reaction. Scary. It's it, get, it even gets worse. It gets worse. If it's possible, it gets worse. As time went on, the unit wanted to expand the research beyond infectious diseases and prior vivisections that were going on, and they started to do a fair bit of weapons testing. In this case, human targets were used to test grenades positioned at various distances and in various positions to see how the shrapnel would affect them. This included strapping people down, blowing things up next to them, all for the purposes of studying how a human being would be blown apart by different types of weapons. That's not something you need to know. No. They defended these experiments, however, as being methods to determine the best course of treatment for varying degrees of shrapnel wounds sustained by Japanese soldiers. Mm-mm. Yep. There's also, there's enough fucking people that are getting, there's enough, like, actual data being generated by people actual getting hit war. by bombs. Yeah. yeah. There's enough of that happening during wars. In the field. Yeah. yeah definitely. That, and there's enough accidents that happen in non-war times. Like, there's enough data where you don't have to- It's just evil. It's evil. It is. I just don't think that there's any justification for having to do that in order to know how to treat a wound. I think it I think that's again what they said they were doing in the rationale. Right. I it's just fake. think a lot of it was because Chinese were the enemies to them and they were like, let's see the most morbid and disgusting ways we can kill these people. Yeah. Yeah. And then say it's in the name of science. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not even good science. No. There are far more atrocities that were committed at Unit 731 in the name of science, actually. So that's a nice little segue, so to speak. Some of which included the following. In some tests, subjects were deprived of food and water to determine the amount of time until death. These dehydration experiments were performed on victims for the purpose of determining the amount of water in an individual's body and to see how long one could survive with very little to no water intake. The deteriorating physical states of these victims were documented by staff at a periodic interval, or at periodic intervals, and I quote from notes taken from the staff, it was said that a small number of these poor men, women, and children were basically mummified alive in these total dehydration experiments they sweat themselves to death under the heat of several hot dry fans and at death the corpses would weigh only one-fifth of a normal body weight holy shit so that's how dehydrated they were some individuals were placed in low pressure chambers until their eyes popped from their sockets some were hung upside down until death crushed with heavy objects or electrocuted some people were placed into centrifuges and spun until death Patients were also exposed to lethal dose of x-ray and radiation poisoning. The unit was also fond of what was called frostbite testing, where they would take captives outside, dip various appendages into water at varying temperatures, allow the limbs to freeze, and once frozen, staff would strike their affected limbs with a short stick, emitting excuse me, a sound resembling that which of a board gives when it is struck. Ice was then chipped away with the affected area being subjected to various treatments, such as being doused in water, exposed to heat or fire, etc. The most horrific, in my opinion, was that of forced sexual acts for the purpose of transmitting venereal diseases like syphilis. Infection of venereal diseases by injection was abandoned. The researchers state started forcing the prisoners into sexual acts with each other. So a male and female, once infected with syphilis, would be brought together in a cell and forced into sex with each other. It was made clear that anyone resisting would be shot. The list of atrocities that occurred at Unit 731 are lengthy, many of which are so horrific that I have chosen to leave out of this episode. But you can read more about it if you want, as the list is incredibly long and exhaustive. Jesus. However, carrying on with the story of Shiro Ishii and his actions instead. So even though Shiro and Unit 731 made these weapons, they of course never made this public knowledge, and some historians believe that if the Americans knew about these bioweapons ahead of time, they would have never dropped the bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima for fear of mutual destruction of what Shiro had created. However, the Americans were not immune to the plans of Shiro Ishii and his biological warfare. Shiro planned an attack on the Americans called Mission Cherry Blossoms at Night. In this mission, they attempted to launch balloons filled with deadly diseases like cholera, smallpox, etc. And an estimated 9,000 balloons were created and sent across the Pacific Ocean, but apparently only approximately 345 balloons actually made it to the U.S. Many were shot down and some landed in the ocean. One of the things that was interesting was that at this time, apparently there was a huge hysteria regarding UFO sightings. And now they think um, many of those were in actual reality, these balloons that people were seeing. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that think that 
the UFO sightings had actually happened, excuse me, they think it was because of these balloons that they were seeing. So it wasn't actually UFOs. Like if they, like how you said, mutually assured destruction, why weren't they? Like if the whole point of this was to actually protect their country in war, why wouldn't they be... Like, what was the, even the fucking point of the Japanese creating these? Yeah, because because they you said that they wouldn't have they wouldn't have gotten bombed if they yes. knew that there was potential for these like bio weapons to get I out. I think or whatever. that it was such a contentious and dangerous ex- all the all the experiments going on in seven three one were so contentious and dangerous that it was a higher risk to have been exposed than to actually then put to, these into yeah that makes sense yeah sort of Roger that yes I think that's why but I have no idea. Um, and also, it, like, that's, like, an organized effort. Like, there's a lot of staff that would have had to be there doing all these atrocities. Yes. And they all kept it quiet. Mm, like, do they all? Okay, stay tuned. Stay, stay tuned. tuned. So there was actually only one single balloon that managed to cause any casualties in America. This balloon landed in a town called Bly, Oregon, on May 5th, 1945. Now, in this story, a Sunday school teacher named Elsie Mitchell was on a Sunday school trip going on a picnic with a small group of teenage students and her husband, who was driving. Elsie was pregnant at the time and got sick during this car ride, to which they pulled over to get some air. She proceeded to take a walk into a nearby forested area, to which her husband hears them say, Look what I found. Moments later, he hears an explosion. What Elsie came across was one of these balloons. Her husband ran towards the sound, along with several constructors working nearby, and they found that Elsie, along with her students, were lying dead on the ground. Elsie oh, and her students were one of the American casualties of Shir Ishii's experiments. Oh, shit. So while most Americans were kept safe from the sadistic creations and experiments of Shiro Ishii and Unit 731, Americans who were stationed in Asia during World War II weren't so lucky. In both 1944 and 1945, American prisoners were in a city called Munkin. Not sure if that's right, by the way. I couldn't find anything to fact check this. Mm-hmm. However, they were visited by Japanese doctors while many of them were prisoners of war. Researchers from Unit 731 thought this was a perfect opportunity to use these individuals as human subjects to see if the results were different on different races of people. So naturally, they injected the men with various different diseases and repeated the exact experiments done on Chinese civilians. Most of these men died, and the ones that remained alive were only kept alive so they could be put to work carrying away the bodies of their dead friends. Jesus. Terrible. Skipping ahead to the end of World War II, the Allied forces have won, and the power of the Emperor of Japan at the time was taken away. In Manchuria, the Chinese had defeated the Japanese as well. There was nowhere left for a Shiroishi to hide, and at the time, many Nazi war war criminals, scientists, and doctors were being brought to justice in the trial of Nuremberg in 1945 and 1946, and many were sentenced to death for crimes against humanity. So naturally, Shiroishi was about to get what he deserved, right? Nope. Nope. At this exact time, the Japanese military, although defeated, actually took it upon themselves to award Shiro Ishii with medals of honor and an extremely healthy pension for retirement. Of course they did. Of course they did. In their eyes, he was a hero for the country, but he knew that America would not feel the same. Shiro swore the doctors and soldiers of Unit 731 to secrecy and to never speak of the experiments that went on. However, the Americans heard of the horrific crimes of Ishii through soldiers that have survived. Mm-hmm. The American government approached Shiro, and instead of arresting him, they made a deal. They mm. asked for his data in exchange for immunity. Oh, fuck. Yep. Holy shit. <laughs> yep. Shiro, knowing this was the only way out, promised that if they pardoned all of his crimes, the U.S. government would certainly benefit from having all of the scientific information that was gathered at Unit 731. Mm. Yep. At this time, and still today, It was illegal to test on human subjects in America, so the American government knew this data was extremely valuable because of the information they would never be able to get otherwise. Most importantly, the Americans would gain access to vaccines that Shiro Ishii had developed for some of the deadliest diseases known to mankind. Like, that part makes sense. But like like I said, and I still stand by it, some of that science was garbage. Like, it's not not useful and like he should at least be tried for some of those things you know yeah he definitely should be tried for some of those things and i'm flashing back to before where you were saying that they were bombing people in 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 the name of trying to figure out how best to treat them after right did they treat them i have no idea i feel like they probably fucking didn't they probably didn't i feel like they maybe would have used this data to treat japanese people right but, but they didn't they didn't test the treatments oh, on anybody no gosh, surely no. they did not no i'm sure they did Fuckers. not the american government agreed they exchanged his data for his life, and they even paid him two hundred fifty thousand U.S. dollars, which in today's day is about two point six 
million U.S. dollars. Holy shit. This man doesn't go to jail. That's and he also is given a nice little small fortune. They could have extradited him. I don't know the actual little fucking laws. <laughs> but they they could have brought him there and literally, at that point, probably depending on the state, put yeah. him to death. Yeah. But instead they were like, I know you good, but also, you know what? We're going to pay you. Yeah. We're not only going to What was a dollar like? Life? That's a 2.6 million or whatever million USD. Yeah. What was the ratio to Japanese? Oh, uh, Japanese yen, I think yen. is what it is. I have no idea. Shit. So That's all of, fucked up. So fucked up. So Yo, this America. man does all these things and he doesn't get, doesn't the, ever see jail. At the very least, they should care about justice for the Americans who died. Yeah. You'd think they would because Americans are so fucking patriotic. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I, we love our American listeners. We do, we do, we do, we do. But usually they tend to like... Put Americans first. Yeah. Yes, they yeah. at least, they give a shit about Americans that are have war crimes committed against them. Oh, for sure. And fighting they for should. the country. Yes, yeah. which they should. But... Like, so even if they only cared about themselves here, they should have cared about that. Yeah. But they also didn't care about all the other people, too, that, no, they, think, that were not getting justice. I think they saw this as, like, the risk-benefit ratio of, yeah. like, okay. Like, deal with the devil. Like, the the vaccines are important. That's important. If someone made bioweapons against you, you want to have vaccines. Like, that makes sense. I get it. We should it. still try him for, like, the live vivisections or and just the... F- don't pay him or don't pay him yeah at the like, very least let's the not deal. give him a small fortune don't pay him yeah like here's your life that's valuable congratulations we're moving on yeah we're not also going to give you 2.6 million u.s dollars yo wild what a, what a lesson to people who want to do bad fucking things yeah like what a lesson yeah they'll, they'll just get money yeah turns out Bitches. yeah so all of the science and doctors of Unit 731 were happy to keep the secret. Many of them ashamed of their actions and moved to China, live, uh, living under new identities. And apart from that New York Times article that I mentioned earlier, where they attempted to shed light on the atrocities of Shiro Ishii in Unit 731, the event actually gained very little media attention. They labeled these part of the Japanese Sino War as well as World War II. But of course, the Chinese people have not forgotten. And even to this day, there exists a lot of animosity between China and Japan. Rightfully so. This is the state's didn't want it to be a media get a media attention for it because they were fucking in bed with it oh for sure they were uh so the prisoners of war however that were still alive in unit 731 how would they prevent them from telling their story however yeah the government approached them with a non-disclosure agreement that stated that they promised never to expose the truth about what happened to them in manchuria they signed it and it was until about 1980 that many of them felt they had nothing left to lose but to share their story and it wasn't until 1990, 31 years after Shiro's death, that the Japanese government actually acknowledged that Unit 731 did in fact exist, and this wasn't just a conspiracy theory. Holy shit. Shiro Ishii died at the age of 67 from laryngeal cancer. Oh, Never good. saw jail. Time. Fucking karma, though. Yeah. I always think that, and this is horrific, what I'm about to say, <laughs> but I, 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 I see again and again and again people that do horrific crimes that die young of cancer. Yeah. And like 67 is not young, but like it is in, in terms of- In today's day, it definitely yeah, is. Fucker. Yeah, fucker. I agree. Die, I agree. sir. Ishii's funeral was chaired by his second in command at Unit 731, which is just- the funeral was at the fucking compound? No, so sorry. It was just chaired by his second in command at oh. someone who was in command at 731. Okay. But it's just you, like yeah. kind of a slap in the face of like yeah. these two people who should otherwise be in jail yeah. are commemorating each other's lives. Oh, like for it's sure. Ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. The exact number of victims of Shiro Ishii is unknown and the unit 731. However, the estimate is that the unit itself is responsible for killing 200,000 to 300,000 people. Holy shit. Yep. And not just killing bombs. them, but like vivisecting them. And at that point, people probably knew if they were going there, they something terrible was going to happen to them. So it's yeah. like it's also like terror, terror, terrorism. It's horrific. It's horrific. It's horrific. That's so, so scary. So scary. So including the bombs at off site. I think it's like including the epidemics you started. Right. Yes. Okay. Still though. Still terrible. He's responsible for three hundred thousand casualties. Yeah probably i would say maybe a third of those if that is that unit 731 right but i would say yeah with like the epidemics and all of these different things that they were doing in chinese villages like it's an upwards of 300,000 that's so fucked so fucked so one of the things i just want to leave our baddies with although this was a sobering episode science 
Responsible for the devastation of many lives, as we can see in this episode, it is also responsible for saving millions through vaccines, cancer treatment, and cancer treatments, and many different modern scientific technologies that we see today. You mean science in general is good? Science in general. Okay, not like this science was good. No, no. Okay, no, good. No. Fuck. I mean, science I was like, in Tab, what the fuck? Are you just saying? because I'd like a little bit of a disclaimer of like, despite the fact that science can be evil, yes. us as scientists try to do good work most of the time. Yes, we do, and that's why we have fucking ethical boards to answer to. We do huge and ethical why, boards, and we have to like part of like the CCA we were talking about last week yeah is that we have to consciously all the time be thinking about whether or not the the act that we are doing on an animal yeah. is is the only way to find out what we're trying to find out mm-hmm. and if it is the best way to find out like if there's a way that mm-hmm. we can reduce harm yeah and also what's the minimal amount of animals that we need to do it so like imagine that on none humans. of that is justifiable to happen in humans there's none always a better it. model there's yeah. always a better model yeah so i just dumb. want to say science when used the right way changes the world for the better yeah but when abused as we can see in this episode the effect is unbegrudgingly terrifying yeah so this is fucked. It was but fucked. There's so many bad people that will use different justifications to do their bad things. And in this case, he just used science for it. Yeah. But think of all like the cults or whatever, whatever. Oh, and they use time. all their bullshit claims to say that it's like justified. And again, these are people that are of high ranking positions that we otherwise tried to or put our trust into. Specifically, yeah. I think doctors. Yeah. Doctors otherwise take a Hippocratic oath. Yeah. To... Primo no non nocer, whatever it is in Latin. Primo no like, First, do no harm. Oh, okay. And it's like, this this man's a doctor. Yeah. And he's like, well, let's just reattach your limbs and other parts of your body and, and whatever. Let's just see what happens. And he Fuck. never sees jail time. In fact, the United States government made him a wealthy man. Yeah, the seriously. Then he like, got to live. He got medals happily. of honor. It's fucking mental. Mental. So um, they they sold their soul to get this research in science. Yeah. Does yeah. it, did it do anything? They Not probably wouldn't fucking That's tell you. That's a really if great it did. question and something that I should probably do a little bit more research into, but I don't think they would tell you. Maybe in today's day they would because it was so long ago now. Yeah. But I, I do think that at the very least, the antidotes he yeah, created for seems, some of these plagues were yeah. otherwise. That's utilized. value in itself. Yeah. But I'm like, this like this is it's a it's a morbid thing to think about, but was any of it even valuable science that now we use today? Like there's a there's a lot of know. things we know in science because of really fucked up yeah. ethical decisions that were made back in the day like there's yep. a, there's a lot of fucked up especially in women's health for one mm-hmm. but like there's a lot of bad doctors out there or bad scientists out there that did yep. science and now we use that data still and then like we don't replicate it in humans yeah. but we still use it or like or like information that we get from like tragedies or things like that like yeah. people study like tragic situations but did any of this even mean anything like was it even useful or was he just a fucking asshole i think it ended up being useful whether or not like we have a paper trail of right. what it ended up becoming useful i yeah. think like the united states government is gonna poo poo that and hush oh hush yeah they'll hide that shit forever for sure for sure yeah um and i think it goes without saying that we should like really make sure to emphasize that using individuals as a means to an end is never a no. good idea and and it's obvious that shirishi and his, his but colleagues I'm, did that yeah. but i do agree like if if in fact there are certain things that come out of these really negative yeah instances in history of if they were benefiting humankind and mankind yeah i don't necessarily know if this is one of them but i'm just interested to see if a if it's just like a when we reflect back on history we should learn from it and if if it's I just agree. a blemish on like a war if it's just a war crime a blemish on Jap- japan and a blemish on fucking you know america for making that decision whatever if it's like we reflect on that in a negative way that we can learn from but if we should in the scientific community think about are we using this data because yeah. that's also something to reflect on if that's ethical and or something if that we be. often have to speak for as scientists yeah. like you can't just be doing these things that appear interest it needs to be a risk benefit ratio and yeah we need to be benefiting science and mankind and all of these things you can't just be like i'm doing this because i'm, I'm genuinely curious that's not yeah. enough of a reason to be able to test on on anything no humans or for animals, sure so. for sure so i'm interested it's like a scientific blemish that is being hidden and pushed on the rug because we like the data or if it's just a horrific war crime that we can like separate from could be both yeah, yeah. could be both it's fucked so fucked. Okay, so you can read more about Shirishi if you want to in your own time. I chose to left some just particularly gory things out, which yeah. is crazy to think about the fact that despite the explicit detail I provided to you, there's I was just gonna still say, a laundry list. If of you things left that things did. out, then it must yeah. have been even worse. Oh, horrific! He is quote unquote supposed to be the most evil scientist to have ever existed. Right. So 
I just don't want to even call them a scientist because no. I just feel like it was all fake science. Not even good science. <laughs> not even good science. Yeah. Bad science. I mean, maybe it was. I, I didn't do a ton of research into like, here's what Shiro Ishii like, or his gen- methods in scientific whatever is in- implemented today. But but the science that he did do that was actual science was like maybe genetically modifying viruses to make a better vaccine or whatever the fuck he did. He I genetically so. modified. Well, he no, he genetically modified them so that it would kill people better. But genetically still. modified the viruses. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking but then he created an antidote to these superbugs, so to speak. So he was right. like, here's the most lethal right. version of this virus. I'm going and to here's now, the best way to protect ourselves. I'm going to now it. create an antidote for that. So maybe that's inherently mm. valuable. No. But is it worthy of 300,000 lives? And again, yeah. some of and this he- was just full on war. Right? Yeah. He was just fully wanting to annihilate the Chinese because they wanted to invade China. Yeah. And right now, I will say, if you do any sort of like just history and background into Japan and how they operate today, it's one of the most peaceful nations ever because mm. they are aware of some of their really evil history, mm-hmm. this being one of them, and, and particularly what they've done to the Chinese people and the right. Koreans. So. Yeah, because this was like a government sanctioned facility that was oh, opened up. for sure. So and- at the very least, either... Well, I think you could say that they were endorsing it at the time or Definitely. there wasn't enough oversight. So yeah. they were like trusting him and then it got let to run wild because people Definitely. were supposed to trust him and they did and they blindly followed. And during followed. the Sino-Japanese War, I think that there was just so many atrocities upon Japan or Chinese people that at the hands of Japanese. So I think now they are such a peaceful nation and, and they are sort of the epitome of learning from your mistakes because they are, yeah. they operate in so many I don't know how to different say this, ways. but in so many different ways that I think that we could learn from. Oh, sure. yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Cool. That's episode four, Well, it's not guys. cool, but that's <laughs> fucking wild. That is the most historically bad that, was the most historically that we have ever one. covered. That yeah. was that was literally that was literally historical, and it was bad. It was historically bad. It was magnificent. <laughs> it was, all, it was, the, it was a was marriage cool. of historically bad. I wish. And soon, if you guys listen to us a lot and you share do. us a lot <laughs> and give us lots of five-star reviews then eventually we will um be moving into a visual format as well as audio right so you can see uh, us which would be helpful because there was literally some jaw-dropping moments yeah. where i'm just actually silenced by the fucking yeah. fuckery that was this case so it would Sucked be cool up. if people could see us yeah and you know what yeah if we tap hates this like idea to- no, I don't. I don't, don't hate it. Okay. <laughs> I was like, it I'm using my me, voice. I don't want people to see me. It makes me so anxious. And it's fun when Carly and I were talking about like, what sort of content do we want to create? I was like, nothing that shows us. Yeah. <laughs> Hide my food. It's ridiculous. Redonk. Redonkadonk. Because <laughs> Tab is gorgeous. Oh, so nice. Yeah. And Carly is gorgeous too. Okay. Next week. we are, Next week is Christmas. Yeah. So the, so the next time we record will not be Christmas, but you will hear it on Christmas. Word. Is that factual? I think it's factual. Yeah. Okay. Episode six drops on Christmas. Wait, isn't it Googling. episode five? Episode fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so episode five drops on Christmas Day. And instead of taking a break over the holidays, <laughs> <We're> <laughs> like hustling. we should, we're going to drop an episode for you on Christmas Day. Um, and it is going to be lighthearted. It's going to mm. be it's going to be a fucking ghost story, which is lighthearted. Yeah, we're going to we're going to have so <laughs> much <Christmas>. fun. So. <laughs> Episode five, we're going to take you to the Bam Springs Hotel, which Fun. is somewhere that Tabitha loves. Obsessed. I mean, she was recently there, actually. I was recently there, and yeah. I got married in Banff. Oh, so yeah. I, I love Banff. And Carly was there. Banff, so Banff. it's a fun, special place for us both. Yes. And so we're going to talk about how some people died there. Yeah. So it's lighthearted. Yeah. <laughs> These people really did <laughs> die there. But now the hauntings and stuff is a little bit more lighthearted. Right. Lighthearted. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're now you've had two episodes that are sad and sober misery misery we're yeah. gonna give you some fun stuff some yeah. jolly stuff some jolly ghost stories right and then i don't know what you're doing after that but i'm sure we'll get right back into either. fuckery we're gonna get back into it yeah historically bad okay all right that's it that's it thanks we'll so much see you next week on historically again bad. engage five star reviews everything all things if you give us a four star review i will find you and thank you <laughs> not a oh no wait <laughs> Sorry, the four star reviews are bad. Four star reviews, bad news. Five star reviews will thank you with bigger. (laughs) Four star reviews will find you and yell at you. We will, yeah, Yeah. we will. Okay, okay. See you next week on Historically Bad. Okay, bye, bye. Fuck yeah.